How many of you have ever been on some kind of a mission? Yeah. I've been on a mission the last about month. Right around the cold snap, there were some little furry creatures that found their way into our home. Now, I'm going to give you some context because I'm going to say some not nice things about mice in a moment. There is, in the scripture, very early in the book of Genesis, there were two young guys, one named Esau, one named Jacob. Esau was a man of the field, kind of like Daniel, Pastor Daniel. He hunted, he, he was fishing, he was out in the field, kind of like a wild guy, bows and arrows and doing all the wild stuff. And then there was Jacob. He was, they say he was a man of the house, a man of the tents. He liked to cook and do all that kind of stuff. Daniel is like Esau. I'm more like Jacob. I'm a soft guy. I can look like I'm a, mm, but I'm a soft, soft guy. I'm one of those people who likes camping. If it includes a bed, a washroom, a shower, and some people might call a hotel room. My family scrabbled or crawled out of the muck of Scotland and came to Canada and chose to live in houses. And so I'm more like Jacob. I would be happy to, Jacob in the Bible, to cook some cookies, to make, bake a cake for you. Uh, I, I do those kind of things. So when last week I came home and there was a mouse in a trap, and I had to do something with it. And it looked at me because it was still alive. And I had a mission, though. Windsor thought my mission was to build a house for the mouse. <laughs> Are you building a house for the mouse, Pops? I said, well, kind of. So I was on a mission to persuade the mice to make better life choices and live somewhere else. Are you putting a treat out for the mouse, Pops? Oh, yes, this is a treat. I hope they love it. <laughs> and so far, there was one morning, or one night, I looked. Shanda was sitting there on the couch. I'm sitting here. And I looked. A mouse came out from under the, under the stove. It's across the room. And I'm looking at him. And all of a sudden, he galloped. He didn't, he didn't walk. He ran right towards Shanda. There was screaming. She jumped up. The mouse went under the couch. And of course, we just continued on. No, the couch got flipped over. I called Caleb to come up from our suite downstairs, and he comes up, and we're like, it's gone. We flipped them both over, and I could hear a little, he's inside the couch. So I got a knife, and I opened the couch, and we pursued because we were on a mission to eradicate those disease-carrying vermin. I was just reading in Leviticus this morning. They're called detestable creatures. <laughs> Am I right, Marvin? Those little things that scurry along the ground. Detestable creatures. And we were able to find that creature and release it into a better life. <laughs> All dogs go to heaven, and maybe mice too. I don't know. This morning, because... We thought we were done. I'd, four. Then the last night, I saw one come out again. Out from under the stove. I don't know what's under there, but there it is. It's warm, and they just wait. And I saw it come out and go back in. So refreshed all the traps, put new bait in them, moved them. I saw some signs where one was at. They leave signs 
and put new stuff on it, gloves, the whole thing. I think I had a gas mask on. I don't know what was. Put them out there, and I came out this morning in front of the stove. There's five traps. It looks like it's somebody trying to escape from something, and somehow nothing was in there. But I have more traps. Around the corner, in the back side, there's two traps and a special treat station. And I came around, and there was one more mouse this morning. I was on a mission. Shanda's like, how many more times is Amazon going to show up with more traps? I said, until we win. I am not going to sleep at night. I've got things blocking my doorway under there. I think I've got automatic cameras. Like, I am not going to put up with these things. And so we're going to win the battle. Some things are worth fighting for. And my peace and sanity... We have a student who's living with us from Italy, and the first morning she came out, there's one in a trap. Two weeks ago, she was sitting at home, and we were out, and she texted us, I can hear one caught again. She's like, what's going on? She's paying money to stay with us. I said, you're getting a special deluxe deal. The last girl didn't get this. So, I mean, on the mission. Some of, the, some of you go on missions to catch fish. Attempt to catch fish. You will buy a boat, you will pay licenses, you will get special gear. So while you're mocking me about my mice traps and all that, you're doing all the stuff. You'll get up early, stay up late, you'll get fishing rod, you'll be scouring, where's, uh, trying to find out where the, where the best place to catch, allegedly catch. I found the best place to catch them is from the store. I can go there and they're there every time I can find them. It's, I know how much it costs, I don't have to get up and be uncomfortable, I just pull it up. That's me. Some of you go on a mission for a new outfit. You might have a wedding coming up, and the first stop is in your closet, and you're like, not going to happen. And then you'll head to the store, and you'll go through malls and, and look for it and store to store and trying things on. You'll order from an obscure shop across the world. Our, one of our students ordered something from, from, not from Italy, from Australia for her grad dress. We can go, and we're on mission for all kinds of things. Some of you came on a mission to move to Canada from some other place in the world and sacrificed and worked hard and did all kinds of things, left family and familiarity and came to a different nation because you were on a mission that was on your heart to move to another nation with different opportunities. A mission is an important assignment carried out for a specific purpose. An important assignment, if you're taking notes, carried out for a specific purpose. Mission captures you. Mission will take your money. Mission will take your time. Mission will take your effort and your energy. And some of us, on a grander scale than mice and fish and clothes and immigration, that word has a powerful meaning to the church of Jesus. Mission, on mission. The working out of it has not always been positive in the world, but on the whole, the mission of the church has been had a huge effect for good and for God in the world. Hospitals uh, built, schools uh, built, churches planted, people saved, uh, medical missions, all kinds of stuff that have happened throughout the ages. And what does mission mean to you, though? When you hear the word mission, do you picture someone in a faraway place in a dugout canoe going through the jungle? Maybe that's how you think of it. Or maybe you think of a cross-cultural church planter or someone 
who start, like started the Dream Center or Night, night Shift or somebody who works among the poor in the in, uh, other part of the world or someone like M- Mother Teresa or maybe you just think it's a missions offering. But what is mission all about in the mind of God? What is the mission? The Bible is God's grand account that outlines his mission to bring hope and new life to humanity and to restore all things. And 1 John 3.8 says, For this purpose Christ was revealed, to destroy the works of the evil one. To destroy the works of the evil one. Jesus came to destroy the power of hell, death, and the grave, and to break its hold. Luke 19.10 says that, For this purpose the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus is on mission to seek and to save the lost. And we can see there are many things that need help in our world. So many people are crippled by anxiety and fear and debilitate and trying to, to move ahead. Marriages that are on the verge of collapsing. We see a world gone crazy in so many ways. Some younger ones might be wondering why my generation and older broke the world. People living without purpose and hope. Extensive personal flaws that we all have and try to hide from. Our sexual brokenness, our private struggles with reliance or addiction to porn, to alcohol, to other drugs and financial pressures and sickness and disease and no relationship with God and the mission of God. What does it look like for you and for me? I think of, when I think of mission, one of the people I think of is a man who's now gone to be with Jesus by the name of Bud McLean. He's a wild man. Go anywhere, do anything. And I remember him telling the story of, at that time, going behind the Iron Curtain into one of the Eastern Bloc nations. I think it was Romania. And uh, he knew that there was a house church somewhere, but he couldn't, he couldn't do any directions. He, he, he couldn't go because, couldn't call, because they would be caught and persecuted, maybe thrown into jail or worse. And so he w- went, he crossed the border, had a driver, or he was driving, I don't know, And he would drive and he would say, listening to the Holy Spirit, turn left, turn right, go straight, turn left, go right, whatever, along, came to a house, that's the house. No idea, knock on the door, the door opens, they just finished singing and he steps in and shares the word. I'm like, wow, that's the same guy that when I was probably 11 years old in my small town of 1,500 people where everybody knows everyone, Gave us this little tract. He talked to us about reaching people. He gave us this little tract that said Visa on it. It had the colors of Visa on it. And we stood in front of the bank. And on the back was a tract. But it said Visa with the colors on it. And we were handing them out as people walked into the bank. The bank manager comes out and says, what are you doing handing out Visa cards? We're not, and on the back it says, Visa, this word means passport. Do you have your passport to eternal life? Let me talk to you about Jesus. And I was like, oh my goodness, everybody in my town sees me and knows me. And then in Bible college, maybe this is your uh, image of sharing your faith or living on mission. Uh, we took a class called personal evangelism. And at that time in Surrey, it was a lot smaller. And we go door to door in the evening after our class on Wednesday night or before the class, I forget, and we would knock on doors, and we'd say, hello there, I'm from Bible, it was that in that time, Bible Fellowship, almost before you could get 
Bible out of your mouth, the door, wham, slams. People didn't have cameras or anything like that. They just would open the door, look at you, and slam the door on you. And I'd say every so often someone would look at my 17-year-old self or 18-year-old self and, and have some compassion. I'd say, I just have a few moments of your time. I, I'm just taking a brief survey to try to understand people's religious beliefs in this area. I'd ask my questions and hopefully have a spiritual conversation. I can't say it was very fruitful. It helped me because it, no, I don't know if it helped me, but it was good for me to step out in a little bit. And so sometimes we have these pictures of people handing out tracts on street corners or the person that stands with a cart of literature at the bus stop or the street preacher with a megaphone, and we say, that is not me. And we reject participation in the grand mission of God for the earth. And we just spent the last five weeks going through Psalm 23. Wonderful series. If you didn't hear it or see it, you can look online and find us. It's a wonderful, wonderful series talking about the good shepherd taking care of his sheep and all that. But there's another image of the shepherd that we must remind ourselves of. There's this image of the shepherd out of Luke 15. The teachers of the law said this about Jesus. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus tells them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after, somebody say, go after the lost sheep until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who is re than over 99 righteous ones who do not need to repent. In other words, the same shepherd that cares for his sheep in a pastoral caring way is also the same shepherd that is actively looking for lost ones. So if you've ever been lost and don't know your way, Jesus is on the lookout for you. How many of you were lost, but now you're found? How many of you know what it's like to be lost, and now you're found and grateful that Jesus just did not wait for you to find your way to him, but he's been actively looking for people who are lost, not knowing where to go or what to do in the world? Some of you have grown up in a home benefiting from the fact that your mom or dad came to know Jesus. We're once lost, but have been found. Some of you could stand and talk right now and say, I can remember when I was 16 years old and I invited Jesus to be the forgiver and leader of my life. I, he bought me, he sought me, and he, I was singing this to Windsor the other day, he sought me and he taught me with his precious blood. He bought me, and my life has been different because of the goodness of Jesus who was out looking for me. And the church can never lose the perspective that we are, first of all, a missional house, that we are sent to look for lost people. We're, and then when they're found, we're meant to do like Psalm 23 says, and help them to come to know the, the Savior who will walk with them through dark valleys, who helps them and leads them beside still waters. But first, lost sheep, lost people must be found. And a good place to look if we look at not just our caricatures of what it means to be on mission, which I just shared some of those, or things that are, bent, are built on personality types or any of those, the mission is available to every follower of Jesus. We're meant to join him on mission. And how do I know that? A good place to start is John 20, verses 21 and 22. This is just after Jesus 
had died and been buried and rose again, and he comes into a locked room. Says this, I'll start in John 20 and verse 19. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came in to a locked room. He didn't have the key. He came in and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after that, he said, and breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. And the dis- after this, he said, and I'll read this verse. It's not going to be on the screen. If you are forgiven, anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Jesus said the key concept is mission. This passage speaks twice of sending. In the original Greek, that was the word was apostello. I probably didn't say it right, but it's from where we get our word apostle or sent one. And then when the Bible was translated from Greek into Latin, they used the word mitter, which means sent. And from this word, we get the English word mission and missile. <laughs> sent for a purpose. This is a, that's a, a, a potential trans, accurate translation of this passage could be, as the Father has sent me on a mission, in the same way I send you on a mission. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are sent on a mission. Because he's on a mission. And where he goes, you go. I go. And we look at, let's look at this passage just in a little, verse 21 in greater detail. First of all, God is a missionary. He's the one who sent Jesus. The first part part of the verse describes the Father sending Jesus. God is a missionary God. He does not just send us on a mission. He is actively involved in the mission. Our mission doesn't start with what we do. It starts with what God did. So the weight is not all on our shoulders to figure it out, to do everything. God is already our mission, and we just grab his hand and join with him in what he's doing. And so it takes the pressure off us. So when Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit, we receive peace and not pressure. So when we start talking about mission, we receive peace and not pressure. It's God's initiative, God's purpose, God's example, God's authority, God's power. The Father sent Jesus. Jesus then sent the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit sends Put your hand up if you're a follower of Jesus. You're sent by the Holy Spirit on mission. And so we can trust that Jesus is active in the mission. He's gone before us preparing the way. The Holy Spirit is wooing and leading people. The Holy Spirit is filling his people and empowering them and leading us on mission. He sets the example. But it first begins in the heart. In about the year 2000, I was sitting on a beach in Campbell River where we lived at the time. And I read a passage in Matthew 9 where it says, Jesus was moved with compassion at the people who were lost and wandering helpless like sheep without a shepherd, like Luke 15. It says he was moved with compassion. And the Holy Spirit touched me in in my, my own heart and said, you're not moved with compassion, Craig. And I recognized that my heart was not moved towards people or loving people or praying that people would find their way to Jesus, that they would come to know him. I recognized that I had more judgment 
or worse, apathy than anything. And God put me on a journey where for the next two years, I worked among people that were in all kinds of painful, painful situations because of the work of the enemy who has only come to steal, kill, and destroy. And God began to do a work among my, in my heart to see people the way God sees them. There is not one person that we will lock eyes with that doesn't matter to God, that is not loved by God. There is nobody that God says is too far gone for him. If he is calling them, if he is wooing them, he is at work in them. And so when we look at people, God was dealing with my heart. You can do all the motions. You can say all the right things, Miller, but your heart is not invested in it. You don't love people the way I love people. And that's the first place where it starts. We love because he first loved us. He loved us. And we look at this passage and we see that Jesus provides our example for mission. He said, in the same way he was sent, I send you. The second part goes on to say, in the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit is accompanying us. He is our missional example. And we see in the New Testament at least three different ways where Jesus moved on mission and is an example for us. First is as Jesus was sent to live among us, so our mission is also incarnational. That just means God with flesh on. In other words, we are meant to be among people. We're meant to be with people. And we see this, the model of Jesus in John 1, 14 in the message translation. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. The other translations say the word became flesh and dwelt among us, but moved into the neighborhood, became flesh and blood. We, see, we saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. Jesus was not a remote missionary. He was not just a God thundering from on high. It was always in the heart of God from Genesis 3.15 that there would come a day when God would come as this, through the seed of the woman, the man, Jesus, and come to reconcile humanity to himself. There was always in the heart of God from the very beginning to be sending people out, to call people to himself. And we see this moment He spoke their language. He ate their food. He understood their culture. He was the first incarnational cross-cultural missionary. And he came to humanity. God became flesh and dwelt among us. We see how Jesus lived this out now in Luke 15 where we already referred to that tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And we see Jesus welcoming and inserting himself among the people who others said are not worth it, the sinners and the tax collectors, whatever our list of that is. Tax collectors were viewed as collaborators with the Roman government, the the oppressors. And then there was the Pharisees, the religious people. Jesus welcomed children. He welcomed women. He welcomed the poor. He welcomed the people who were destitute. He welcomed the people that were sick. He healed. He did all kinds of things. And he was among people. And this is the challenge for, for me and maybe for you today, is that I can get so busy in my life, in my family, in my things, that I forget that I'm meant to be among Not just the people who know Jesus, but among people who 
don't know Jesus, who are far from Jesus, that somewhere in my world, where is that happening? Even the modeling of Jesus, despite that modeling, we sometimes relegate mission to a far off place, far away. But even the first missionaries, some of the first in the 1800s, they obviously were not the first, but missionaries were sent from the West to entirely different cultures that saw them almost as aliens. And when the first, some of the first went to what is China in the mid, eight, mid to mid 1800s, one of them being Hudson Taylors, they called the missionaries the foreign devils. And he was sent among them, Hudson Taylor, dressed in his English suit and top hat, a doctor. And he had all the stuff, but he found nobody would listen to him. It just was, he would stand and try and preach and reach and nothing happened. So he made a decision. He started wearing the garb, the, the dress of the Chinese man. He cut his hair back, bald to here, and had a braid that went down his back as the culture of that day. And suddenly he started to have movement and traction because he dwelt among them. He, he learned to speak their language. He started eating their food, even all the stuff that was totally foreign and was not his first choice. And progress began to happen. And mission remains still today around the globe. There are over 2 billion people that do not have a gospel church near them right now in the world. There are over 7,000 different ethnic linguistic groups that do, have never heard the gospel in their own language. No active community. We have one of our own, Tim Isleta, who we prayed for in December. He's living incarnationally among an unreached people group in a closed nation right now. And we pray for Tim and pray that God would continue to give him good favor and that God would use him in a powerful way. Can't even say where he's at, but he's among people. I was talking to his dad yesterday and he talked about how he said, it's, I'm in the middle of deep poverty. He's living among people as an incarnational missionary. And we're grateful for people like Tim. But it's, I would submit to you today that we, the church, need a fresh perspective of mission in Canada, in our nation, in our town, in our neighborhoods, and the people around us. I read a, some stats and I shared these last night. There's an EFC survey, the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada reported this in 2020, that in 1946, about 67, this is one marker of faith, about 67% of Canadians went weekly to a religious service in 1946. So two-thirds. By 1996, so 50 years, that number had dropped to 30%. Attend a service of some kind, could be Mormon, Hindu, uh, Sikh, uh, Christian, whatever it might be. That one number was 30%. So 1946, 67%. 1996, 30%. 2019. So 23 years later, that number from 30 had become 11%. And then post-pandemic in 22, 23, that number is now 7% in Canada. So when we say the mission is incarnational, this is not just for some far-off place. It's meant for Langley. It's meant for Surrey. It's meant for Burnaby. It's meant for my street. 
It's meant for your street. It's meant for your family. It's meant for your extended family. It's meant for your nieces and nephews that have wandered away from God. It's meant for your university. It's meant for your sports group. It's meant for your beer league. It's meant for wherever God has placed you, that we are meant to be incarnational. And what would it look like for each of us to incarnate ourselves more deeply in the places that God has already placed you? Already placed you. Living among, our mission is incarnational. But as Jesus was sent to serve, our mission is also meant to be holistic. Jesus was sent with a purpose and perhaps the most succinct and comprehensive way to say it is he was sent to serve. And Mark 10.45 says, Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. What a beautiful picture that Jesus did not come to be the, Oh, bring it all to me. It's all about me. He said, I came low to serve. He came out of heaven into humanity, the, the, the muck of humanity, and said, I have come to serve. In John 13, we see where Jesus demonstrated that and washed the feet of his disciples and said, this is the kind of way I want you to live if you're my disciple. The mission is to serve others. It's not just preach and teach. It's not just an act of service. It's both. He preached to the lost. We see in Acts 10.38 how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went about doing, he went about doing and healing. So he went about doing good and healing. That means he went around healing the sick. It meant he went around feeding people. He went around welcoming women. He went around encouraging children. He went around blessing people. He preached the gospel. He cast devils out. He did it all. He was not just one or the other. He was both. And that's why when we talk about reaching people, we preach new life in Jesus while also demonstrating Jesus' compassion through things like food hampers, through things like just a couple of weeks ago, uh, Night to Shine, where we celebrate people with diverse abilities, where we do, where we also work with the Dream Center and our adopt-a-school, and give out food to people. We do things to meet the practical, real needs of people because it's new life in Jesus, and it's also the compassion of Jesus. Preach the good news and demonstrate the good news. Not either or, both. In the middle of the last century, there was a man who was the leader of the YMCA when it was actually about Christ, Young Men's Christians Association, And under his leadership, over 20,000 young people went to the mission field around the world. And in an era when liberals and fundamentalists debated fiercely whether preaching or social action was more important or God-honoring, he said this, evangelism without social work is deficient. Social work without evangelism is impotent. We need both. We meet practical needs and we preach the power of Jesus who absolutely still changes life, who works on us from the inside out, who is the one who sets captives free, is the one who breaks the power of addiction, who's the one who changes and calls things that are not as though they were, is the one who says you might have been born this way and in all kinds of challenges, but when the Spirit of heaven comes upon you and God begins to work in you as you walk with Jesus, your life has hope, has has potential, has a future because God is at work in you. It's not just what you were. It's about where Jesus has got you and where he's taking you. 
And yet at the same time, we will boldly go into places with food hampers, with people who have no acknowledgement, no desire to know God as far as we know. And we say, we love you. We're bringing this to you because Jesus sees you and we see you and we're praying for you. We want to do both. What would it look like for each of us, though, to serve and to share wherever God has already placed us? And finally, as Jesus was part of a team, so our mission is teamwork. Sending is not individualistic. Jesus was on the team of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Pretty good team. Thankfully, we're on that team. The mission involves all of us. It's not a mission just for a few. It's not a mission just for a certain personality type. If you ever follow Pastor Mike around, he goes into places... I've been into Starbucks with him, or he, and he knows them all by name. Hello. <laughs> he knows their story. He prays for them. He shares Jesus with them. He knows the name of the lady at Cobb's Bread, talks to her. The, the, post, the postie comes into our office, and he knows her by name, talks to her. Like It's just like so easy. I know other people who go on cruises and want to talk and meet friends. That's not me. I go on and I try to find the table for one or hide in the library. I just want to be by myself. And that's not the best way. I know that it's not my natural personality to be out there, but God uses the gifts and talents that each of us has through the personality that he's given us. Because there are people that Mike can reach that I will never reach. There are people that I can reach that Mike will never reach. There are people that you can talk to that I don't have access to. I see people that, there are people who ride on a bus and are talking to people all around them. Different people. The mission involves all of us. We have different gifts. We have different abilities. We have different networks. We have different life experiences. We have different failings. We have different testimonies. And God uses it all. And we all do our part. Even the great apostle Paul recognized this. He said, I planted the seeds in your heart. And Apollos watered it. But God was who made it grow. In other words, I did my bit. I planted the seed. Apollos came along and watered it by teaching you and instructing you more. But the beautiful thing was that God was in all of it. And together God used what Paul did, added to what Apollos did, and someone grew in their faith. And wouldn't it be great that if we each just did our bit, where you spoke a word, you had no idea that God has already been talking to that person, this person, this person, this person. And you're the fifth person in the line that day talking to them about their need for Jesus. Or someone that you skate with on your beer league night and you've been walking with them. That's... Beer league, just like everybody is okay. Where you go out skating and playing hockey, and I know some men in the room that do that. And it's a powerful spot because you're in a space where probably most of them are not going to show up here on Sunday morning, but you're gone to them. And in that space where you just model Jesus looking for opportunities when they might say something about their life and you have been placed there. You've been assigned there. You've been empowered there. And instead of just going to play hockey, you've been sent on mission by Jesus. In the world where you already are, you don't have to hand out a track at the dressing room. Visa, this word means passport. Do you know Jesus? Are you going to heaven? If you died tonight, would you? what would you say when you stood before God? What's the key to enter into heaven? You might get to that, but that's 
If I stood there, they would throw me out. But if you stood there and had a conversation as you're taking it off and you're, the smell of sweat was in the room and you're sitting beside each other and you just start talking about life because they see you and you're rubbing shoulders with them, what could God do? Because you have been incarnated, placed, and empowered in a spot that I will never get to. But what if God could use you? God wants us to work together in the mission, each doing our part. Someone said this, that God calls us each to play our bit part. You play your bit part, I play my bit part, and God plays his great big part. What bit part do I have to bring to the mission of God? It might be the space that you occupy. It might have been, you were once caught in addiction, but God has set you free. And now you're in a space where you can share that. The power of your story. We're going to talk about this over the next few weeks, about different ways that we can do this. But that we are a people on mission. We're a church on mission. We're not just a pastoral church. We're also an apostolic church of sent ones. I'm not talking about, I'm the great apostle. What I'm talking about is an apostolic people, sent people, sent into the marketplace, sent into the workplace, sent into every space and place. And we can all partner with others in God's mission by these four ways, praying, praying, first of all, praying, God, that you would change my heart. That's where I had to start praying. That's where I need to pray again. God, would you stir me again for the mission of seeing people who are far from you, that they would find their way to you, that you would, as you're looking for them, Lord, that they would turn and see you praying for our city, praying for lost ones, praying for people around me instead of judging Instead of that neighbor who talks and yells at her dog all day while barks all summer, and I got a bad attitude, maybe I should pray. We can pray for our friends and neighbors. We can go. We can serve locally through and with our partners in ministry. Every week, Wednesday, I think it is, we take 20, Thursday, we take 25 hampers out to our local adoptive school that does hundreds of meals and helps hundreds of people throughout the year, thousands of meals throughout the year. RCA, our Christian school, students pack them, and then people from our church take them, and then people in our community eat them, and we each are doing our part in the mission of God. Some of you might, all of us can be involved in giving in local and global missions by financially and prayerfully considering what our response should be. All of us can serve in various ways. We're all sent into different areas. And I'm not talking about just serving here. We are all called to play a missional role in whatever community we're a part of, whether it's the gamer community. If you don't know what the gamer community is, they know. Whether it's the soccer community, the homeschool community, the beer league hockey community, the university community, the cultural community you come from, the engineering community, the medical community, the political community, the trade community, the family community. Wherever God has placed us, we can be available for God. 
and say, God, I'm on mission for you. I'm on mission with you. This is your great grand mission. You are seeking and saving the lost, and I want to be a part of that. As you have sought me out and found me and brought me into your family, I want to be on the lookout and available for you in whatever I can do in my personality, through the gift mix that you've given me, for the places you place me in. I just want to have a heart shift to be available for you again. That it's not just about me. It's not just about my family, although it's about me, although it's about my family. It's also about people who are far from God, who need Jesus. And if a nation is going to be shifted, it's going to be one person at a time. We're praying for a move of God until we see that great move of God. We're going to continue to pray and to ask and to seek and to knock that God will be working on the hearts of people, but that we as a people would join Jesus on mission. Even as he was sent into the world, that we would say again, God, send me into the world. Send me into the place where I am. Help me to have a vision again for seeing people want. Lord, may you refresh me and convict me again of how you save me, the way that you transformed my life, the way that you saved me, the, the, the alcoholism that you took me out, Lord, of the place where I thought I was going to go one way, but you interrupted my family line where we once all walked far from God, but someone came to know Jesus and everything began to change after that. I invite you to stand to your feet. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. Not pressure. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. We are sent ones. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are sent one. And maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. You're, maybe you're more like the sheep I talked about at the beginning. That's, I am wandering. I'm lost. I don't know which way to go. I'm confused. I'm not sure what life would look like. Turn and hear the voice of the shepherd and say, Jesus I'm following you. I'm going to follow you. I repent. I'm turning towards you. Forgive my sin. Come into my life and lead me in a way of life and begin a journey. Or maybe you just need to come back next week and hear more about a Jesus who's on the lookout for you. I also want to talk to all of us and say, would we be available afresh to have a heart shift? I need a heart shift. We had two years of hunkering down or three years in the middle of a pandemic and division and, and all the craziness of three years. But what if we again looked at the fields are white unto harvest? What if we again looked at like Jesus for this purpose he was revealed to destroy the works of the devil? What if we again looked and said, lost people matter to God? What if we again looked and said, God, would you do a work in my heart, a work of compassion, a work that sees lost people not as lost, forever consigned to the dustbin, but lost people that need Jesus? That I need Jesus first. Lord, do a work again in my heart. Stir me afresh to your mission. Let compassion well up within my soul, not human compassion only, but the compassion of the Spirit of God. Do a work. Stir me again. Stir me again. Awaken my heart to the mission. Awaken my heart to the lost ones. Awaken my heart to your great love. Forgive me for my callousness 
Forgive me for my caring only for my ways and my things. Forgive me. Awaken our hearts. Awaken. Awaken. Wake up, O sleeper. Wake up. Wake up. If you would pray that with me, just raise your hand all around the room. Awaken my heart. Awaken my heart again that I would be available for the mission of God, whatever it looks like, that I would say yes again. If you can say yes again to the mission of God in a new and a fresh way, can I just invite you to raise your hand all over the room? Jesus, do a work in our hearts. We need you. We don't want human effort by itself. We don't just want human grit. We need grace. So empower us. Peace be unto us, you said. Not the pressure of a preacher and a stage. Not the pressure of expectation. But the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. So awaken our hearts again, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you came to seek and to save the lost. Thank you that you found me. Thank you that you found the ones whose hands are raised and many others around the room. Lord, birth a new and fresh compassion in our hearts that we would live on mission with you in the great mission that you have of seeing the world saved and transformed by the power of God. In the strong name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen and amen.